Tonight on Huckabee, former ambassador to Israel, David Friedman. Dan Meyer performs an ancient art and author and TV and host, Rabbi Jason Sobel. Brotherly Harmony from the Flat River Band. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Well, thank you, everybody. I think you know, as we were all waking up last Saturday morning, we were shaken by the news of a sneak attack of the terrorist group Hamas from Gaza as they invaded the state of Israel. It occurred on one of the high holy days for Israel and on Shabbat. As the facts began to be known, it was evident that this was just not another terrorist attack by a single individual or even a group of terrorists. This carefully planned attack on civilians in Israel marked the worst act of war toward the people of the Jewish state in 50 years. 50 years almost to the day, in fact, when the 1973 Yom Kippur War was launched by Egypt and Syria to annihilate Israel. But the 1973 invasion by hostile governments didn't intentionally target children, women, and the elderly. The barbarian actions of Hamas last week were the most vicious, irrational, and heinous attack on Jews since the Holocaust. Babies were beheaded while sleeping in their cribs. A grandmother in a wheelchair was set on fire as she sat in her wheelchair. Young women were abducted, violently raped, and abused in the most despicable manner. Entire families were savagely slaughtered. Hundreds were taken hostage, transported to Gaza to be used as human shields and bargaining chips later. The stunned Israeli government and its people had been caught completely off guard, its typically stellar intelligence operation having completely failed to know about or warn about the impending attack. Hamas, which is a proxy of Iran, who fully funds them, have governed Gaza since 2007, just two years after Israel forcibly moved all the Jews out of Gaza in order to give Gaza over to the Palestinian Authority in what was supposed to be a land for peace deal. Well, Israel gave up the land. The Palestinians gave up nothing except their worthless word. And they have spent the past 15 years regularly firing rockets into the civilian communities of southern Israel. But the thousands of rockets over many years were unexpectedly matched last week in a day when thousands fired all at once throughout Israel. Simultaneously, thousands of Hamas terrorists came pouring into Israel on motorcycles, pickup trucks, gliders, and boats. The carefully orchestrated attack focused on overpowering the border, killing policemen and soldiers or whoever came to fight. But the Israelis were unprepared, and within hours, Hamas had brought the tiny nation of Israel to its knees both figuratively and literally. Initial shock gave way to outrage and promise of retaliation to avenge the sadistic 
and intentional torture of innocent Israeli children, women, and the elderly. Most civilized governments soundly condemn the actions of Hamas not only for their cowardly nature, but for the evil manner of their atrocities. Of course, there were the predictable, disgusting words from the so-called squad in Congress made up of Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, Cori Bush, and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who ridiculously blamed Israel for the slaughter of their own people, and who also tried to defend the indescribable assaults on the innocent civilians. Their remarks were so revolting that even the White House, who normally defends the squad, called their comments repugnant and disgraceful. Naturally, we can depend upon elitist, well-educated, but ignorant students from high-priced schools like Harvard to take the most ridiculous stance, and they sure didn't disappoint. Over 20 student groups issued a statement of support for what Hamas had done, and of course, blame Israel for all of it. Any parent spending a dime or a dollar to send money to that once great but now disgraceful institution should get their money back and get their child back and do it soon. <laughs> Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who has been in the crosshairs of a protracted political fight for the past few years, has been able to unite all the factions of the country in a concerted effort to end Hamas once and for all. In the past, Hamas terror attacks were met with limited retaliation. It resulted in temporary calm, but Hamas simply waited for the checks from Iran to clear and then rebooted their weapons. This time, it's different. The massacre of innocent civilians in a wholesale slaughter has lit the fire of justice. Israel has declared war and mobilized all of its reserved and active duty forces for the fight. I would ask you, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as we are instructed in the scripture to do. Pray for the Israeli people. Pray for them to be safe again in their God-given homeland. Pray for the thousands whose loved ones were murdered or kidnapped. And yes, pray for those whose identity is Palestinians, but who do not support the butchering of Israelis. Fifty years ago, Golda Meir, the then Prime Minister of Israel, said, we will have peace in the Middle East when Arab mothers love their own children more than they hate ours. We're still waiting for that day to come. As Israel continues to defend itself against the terrorist onslaught, I spoke with former U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman Friday afternoon from his home in Israel. He gave insight on current operations, what might come next, and what it could mean for the wider region. The ambassador and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo recently re uh, released the powerful documentary called Route 60. It's about the biblical history of Israel, and it was produced by TBN. Here's my conversation with Ambassador Friedman. Mr. Ambassador, it's hard for many of us here in the States to even begin to understand the emotional trauma that the Israelis are feeling. D describe just how the impact has affected just people of Israel 
going about their business and suddenly seeing this horrific uh, apocalyptic attack upon individual citizens of Israel? Well, Mike, the, the country uh, uh, was in shock on Saturday and, and Sunday. Um, and, and of course, the, the, the actions are, are so horrific and the, the pictures are so disturbing that you know people are having a hard time sleeping, of course, as these nightmares continue to run through the media. Um, they're, they're, they're much less in shock today, I can tell you. I mean, now people of Israel, I mean, they're angry. Uh, as one would expect them to be, as one would hope they would be. They are uh, incredibly united. And remember, this is a country that has had enormous political divisions over the last uh, few months. Not anymore. You know, all those soldiers who were talking about, you know, maybe they didn't want to serve under uh, under certain governments, that's all out the window. You know, um, if, if this were an IPO, it would be oversubscribed. I mean, the number of, the number of uh, reservists who are going to their bases to report for duty is actually about 25% more than what was called up. You know, people are showing up even if they weren't called up. I mean, uh, people here are ready to fight. They have faith in God. They have faith in the righteousness and the just uh, justice of their cause. And, uh, and, and, they're, and they're ready. They're ready to um, meet this challenge head on. I think everybody recognizes that not since the Holocaust has there been anything like this. Even with ISIS, they typically would maybe slaughter people one at a time, but not by the hundreds and hundreds. And typically, even their targets were uh, intentional. This was random killing of babies and grandmothers and young families. And I think it's been a, a shock to the world. And it's been somewhat encouraging, if anything, that there has been a unified front from civilized countries, and I use that term very deliberately, civilized countries cannot abide by what they've seen Hamas do. Uh, do the Israelis sense that world sentiment is on their side? Now, look, it's, it's important to remember a few things. You know, number one, um, uh, civilians is a charitable term for most people who live in Gaza. You know, they embed with, God, with, with ISIS. They were celebrating, giving out candies, giving out cakes, dancing when they saw the pictures of these brutalized uh, Jewish people, you know, raped, decapitated, burnt. They were, they were celebrating. So, you know, we'll call them civilians for lack of a better term, but, you know, it's, it's being pretty charitable. Now, you know, when, when Hamas terrorists embed with civilians, when civilians provide them with safe harbor, with free passage, with aid and comfort, you know, even under the laws of war, the most basic laws of war, which probably uh, very few people have studied, but I have, you know, they're fair game. And I can tell you a couple of things. Israel is not going to target civilians. Israel is going to target Hamas. Israel will not, no one in Israel, not one soldier will rape, God forbid, a single Palestinian. Not one Israeli soldier will kidnap a single Palestinian civilian. Um, not one Israeli soldier will in any way look to, uh, to inflict gratuitous suffering on any Palestinian civilian. So, you know, people are gonna get a little squishy over the next few weeks. Um, we, we gotta be tough here because this is an existential battle for Israel. And, and remember, you know, Gaza, and you know, when I was a kid, I used to go there and it has the, one of the most beautiful beachfronts of any place in the world, you know, just as nice as Tel Aviv. Uh, Gaza could be a prosperous place when Israel left Gaza in 2005. And since 2005, there has not been a single Jew, a single soldier, present on the Gaza Strip. And so people who want to complain about the life 
and the liberty of the people of Gaza, you know, they got to look at Hamas. Hamas is the only reason why. They subjugate their people, they turn them into terrorists, they teach them to, to hate the Jewish people, and they deprive them of any of the things that most people would want in a modern society. It's not Israel. Israel would be delighted just to have a quiet border and for Gaza to be a, a good neighbor, a prosperous neighbor where which, with which they could be proud to, to share this, this territory. Most folks do not understand that the Israelis have already dropped hundreds of thousands of leaflets, perhaps millions, urging people to get out of harm's way, urging them to flee and get out. Before they bomb a building, they do a knock on the roof. They, they let people know this building has been targeted. They send messages to their cell phones telling them what's about to happen. I mean, they go to extraordinary measures, the likes of which we don't do in the U.S., when we're in combat. But the world typically doesn't hear that. All they hear is that, oh, a civilian died in, in, uh, you know, in Gaza. But I think it's, it's up to all of us to explain that if there are people being killed there, part of the reason is because their Arab nation, supposedly brothers, aren't letting them in. Explain why. You, you don't have Egypt, the Saudis, the Jordanians, the Syrians, the Lebanese, none of them are saying, hey, you can take refuge here. Why not? I'm, I'm aghast at the, um, at, at the indifference of, of Egypt. I, I think a lot of pressure is being put on them right now to open up a humanitarian corridor for uh, Gaza civilians. I hope they do that. But you know what, what Israel has done is, is to assume that there'll be no outlet, and they're asking the, the civilians in the north just to head to the south. They're basically, they're basically telegraphing what they're going to do. They're saying, look, we're going to go after northern Gaza first. So all you folks in the north, just head to the south. You don't even have to leave the country. You don't have to leave the area. Um, so look, Israel's going through extraordinary measures to avoid civilian casualties. And by the way, it's in, it's in their interest to do so because they want to get to Hamas. They don't want to be handcuffed by civilian casualties. They, 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 they gain no pleasure or enjoyment, God forbid, of uh, about killing another human life. Um, so look, this is this is. Uh, there's a lot of people to blame here. The, I really, I really wouldn't be looking at Israel as as one of the culprits when when this thing turns out to involve some civilian casualties. We have more with Ambassador Friedman just after the break. So stick around, Keith. Why don't you tell the viewers what else we have planned for this evening? Well, coming up later, Rabbi Jason Sobel gives his perspective on the war in the Middle East, and we'll also chat about his new book. You're watching Huckabee. Welcome back. We want to continue our conversation with Ambassador David Friedman from Jerusalem, where I ask him what impact the war is already having on the daily lives of Israelis. Take a look. In addition to uh, what we see on our television screens, you're there in Jerusalem. You've been uh, there with your family. There must be an extraordinary emotional toll on every person who on any given moment has no idea whether there's going to be a rocket that the Iron Dome doesn't catch. 
and comes yeah. into neighborhoods where people like you and your family live. Look, we've been through about 20, uh, you know, rushed trips into shelters over the last week. Uh, you know, I've been through this so many times. I will tell you, you do get a little numb to it. But, you know, I had I had my grandchildren and my kids uh, visiting for the Jewish holidays. You know, so to explain to a 12-year-old girl that she has to get into a shelter uh, uh, because there are people still to this day who hate Jewish people so much that they're willing to shoot rockets indiscriminately into Jewish civilian neighborhoods. It's a tough message. I, I really had hoped that, you know, we were at a point in our history where we were beyond that. But uh, regrettably, we're not. Um, you know, Mike, if I can tell you, say one more thing, you know, just on the, on the last point. You know, um, t today was really a, a tough day to watch the BBC, you know, the British Broadcasting uh, Company. You know, they, they announced that they will not refer to uh, Hamas as terrorists. They, they don't think that they're terrorists. And, um, you know, I, I had to remind them, I put out, a, I had to remind them that there's only one reason right now why the people in, in Britain are, are, are speaking uh, English rather than German. And that's because of the courage that their grandparents showed in defeating the Nazis. And when they defeated the Nazis, you know, um, 400,000 German civilians were killed in World War II. I don't see anybody uh, on the BBC racked with guilt over the fact that their entire existence is predicated upon the fact that their grandparents went and won a war, which resulted in dead civilians. So the hypocrisy here is just extraordinary. It is extraordinary, and it's hard to uh, even understand how some of these media outlets, we have a few in the U.S. that are... Uh, essentially engaging in the same level of propaganda. Let's talk a moment about the Abraham Accords. You were one of the chief architects of that landmark uh, agreement that really brought a new level of uh, cooperation in the Middle East that had not been seen. There has to be some anxiety looking that we were in such a place of peace and prosperity. Things were moving in a positive way. You know, I'm not asking you to blame all of this on the current administration, but the policies radically changed. We lightened up on Iran, and now it looks like we're paying that price. But right now we have to win a war, you know, and, and, and I'll say this about, about, uh, about Joe Biden. Um, uh, I, I think these, these atrocities have touched him. I think, these, I think the American army uh, in moving uh, one and maybe two aircraft carriers off the coast of the of Israel, you know, with, you know, very, you know, direct warnings to Hezbollah and Iran to stay out of it. Uh, I think the, uh, the, the, the fact that the, the, the Secretary of Defense showed up here, you know, within a few days and the Secretary of State showed up here in a few days. I think the messaging is right. And it may, I say may, it may, notwithstanding all the appeasement that got us here, it may uh, keep the Northern Front from opening up. So, you know, I think we're in a time of war. I think we rally around our leaders and we win the war and then we go back and figure out how we got here and make sure it doesn't happen again. I agree. I think President Biden and Secretary Blinken all have been very clear, and uh, I think we can appreciate that. Uh, Mr. Ambassador, final word. I would love for you just to speak a word to the American people. Tell us what we need to know from your perspective sitting there in Israel today. What I would say is, you know, to all of those on this, uh, in this audience, you know, number one, you're all familiar with the Psalm of King David, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Let's pray. Let's pray that uh, Israel defeats its enemies and restores quiet to its borders and that its soldiers and the hostages return home safely. Um, that's the most important thing. And then I would just point out, you know, another, uh, another point, uh, another phrase from King David in, in Psalm 29. At the end of Psalm 29, King David says, may the Lord 
May the Lord bring strength unto his people and bless his nation with peace. You know, it raises the question, if you're asking for peace, why do you need strength? You know, why is strength important? If you got peace, you don't need, presumably you don't need to exercise any strength. I think what King David was saying is that there never is going to be peace if we're not strong. Strong morally, uh, strong with uh, clarity, strong physically, um, uh, militarily, diplomatically. We need to be strong, and now is the time to be strong and, uh, and to encourage uh, the United States to share with Israel whatever it needs uh, to defeat this extraordinarily brutal and evil enemy. Mr. Ambassador, it's been a pleasure visiting with you. I'm glad you and your family are safe, and we pray not only for the peace of Jerusalem, but for the peace of the Friedman family. Thank you, sir. And I will say today, we are all Jews right now and stand with you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. When I was visiting with the ambassador, one of the things that he asked was that to be sure to let our studio audience know how much it means to the people of Israel when people here show their support. I said, you know, I have a feeling our audience will very enthusiastically show their appreciation to their friends in Israel, as well as to you personally, Mr. Ambassador. So tonight, I ask the audience, join me in a special moment of tribute and applause to those brave souls in Israel who are fighting for their lives and fighting for freedom for all of us. Our thanks to Ambassador Friedman for being with us during this very difficult time. Please keep the state of Israel in your prayers as they deal with unthinkable tragedy and terror. And also consider supporting the great work of organizations like the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews and Samaritan's Purse, who are on the ground right now assisting those in need. For more information, you can just go to Huckabee.tv, follow the links. We'll show you exactly how you can be of help. Now, Keith Bilbrey, what else we got coming up tonight? Well, after the break, I take a field trip to the barber shop with Platte River Band. Keith the Barber is open for business. Don't go away. MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back. The Flat River Band is a great country group that's composed of three brothers who not only grew up making music with their families at entertainment venues like Dollywood and Silver Dollar City, but they also have a family barbershop right here in Nashville. So, you know what? We decided it might be fun to send Keith to barber school. I want you to see how that went. Here it is. Well, I'm here with the Flat River Boys. They're gonna teach me to be a barber. They have their own barbershop. They're, they're excellent barbers. They've been doing it for years, very professional, and they're gonna teach you know, I always say, guys, it's a good thing I can talk because I can't do anything else. How long does it take to get through barber college? 
Well, I've never been. Oh! I'm kidding. Here comes our first customer. Oh, there you go. Bill. You can do this. What you doing? T. Graham Brown? Are you kidding me? You're cutting hair now? That may not be. what you're doing? Oh, yeah, yeah, these guys yeah. have taught oh, yeah. me Flat River yeah. Boys. They are great, and they have taught me everything they know. Well, I gotta have it just right now. Oh, I know you're gonna be on stage in front of thousands of people. Oh no! Who do you trust, baby? Who oh, do you trust? He's got you. Come on. You sure? Yeah, he does. You can do it. We've been friends forever, and maybe the end of the friendship. But... <laughs> now, okay. How do you how do you do? Oh, okay. Yeah, you yeah. yeah. got this. Did they take a deep breath? Okay. And just dive in. Oh. Just, uh, uh, just, just talk to him. Okay. This is what I'm used to. Yeah. Mike, switch on. Now, folks, we're gonna cut hair. I'm Keith That is his penis. That's T. Graham Brown. Let's hear it for T. Graham. I'm gonna cut his hair. Yes, I. What do you think, T? Uh, uh, do you know what you're doing? Uh, I mean, do you have a clue of what you're doing? Now you. Will you? Yeah. Uh, that's a comb. Which, do I, do I use the skinny yeah, one or that, uh, that one? Yeah. Okay. You got this. Ow. And you just, just clip it off? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Just like that. Okay. What if I, I, can I take off a little more? No, man, just a little oh, off Okay, the okay. What? What? Oh, everything's okay. Nothing, it, it, nothing. Hang in there. You know, really, I always like getting my hair cut. How much you charging me? Uh, it's, it's just 25. It's, it's just huh. 25. Uh, but how many prices came down a little bit, didn't <laughs> You know, Bilberry, I always liked uh, Floyd. <laughs> Andy Griffith show. Floyd always made me laugh. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> I think you're looking good, buddy. Yeah. Well, I think you got you a new barber here. <laughs> Let me see a mirror. Huh? Let me see a mirror. 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 Look at that. Let me see. Hmm. Sideburns look good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, man. I'm going to let it slide this time. Yeah. Next time I come in here, though, you better do a better job. Well, I think it looks great. I think it looks good. Looks great. Looks I'll good. see you. Looks great. Yeah. That looks All great. right. Looks good. See you. Yeah. All right. Who's next? I need a couple of wild hairs trimmed. Uh-uh. Ain't no way. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Not an Oak Ridge boy. Uh-uh. So what's his problem? Well, our thanks to T. Graham Brown and William Lee Golden of the Oak Ridge Boys for helping Keith out. Flat River Band has a new single that's called God Bless the Radio and is produced by Trey Corley. Please welcome Andy, Chad, Denny Joe, a.k.a. the Flat River Band. Great having you guys here. Thanks, Gov. I mean, first of all, I think it's pretty exciting. Trey Corley, who is a Grammy-winning, three-time Grammy winner, is the producer of your record. It's been he's awesome. Man. Yeah, it's he's, been he's quite the talent. If he doesn't get a Grammy for this one, he's a failure. <laughs> it's a total failure. Well, he's we got to come through. The same thing, we were thinking we the same thing. I think so. I want to talk about the song, God Bless the Radio, because it's a beautiful reminder of how radio has played such a big part in our lives as we grew up listening to music. Oh, yeah, for sure. We used to sit at the end of the, our county road growing up and just trying to tune into WSM radio <laughs> and listen to, you know, as Keith, Keith Bilbrey would yeah. introduce 
our favorite artist, you know what I mean? And it's just been, uh, we've always been infatuated with the voice behind the mic. Yeah. You know, because we just always felt like it just brought the song alive, you know? One of the things you're doing is uh, donating a portion of the single to the National Alliance on Mental Illness in Tennessee. So that must be an important project to all of you. It most definitely is. Yeah, our last single we did was uh, Wings of a White Dove, and um, we are donating a portion of that back to uh, NAMI uh, just to raise awareness for uh, mental health. Well, I, I want to say how excited we are to have you here. Later in the show, you're going to be doing some music with us, which we are thrilled about, and I hope people will fall in love with the Flat River Band as much as we have here on the show because we Thanks think you guys are fantastic. And I know you've played... All these wonderful places like Dollywood and uh, Silver Dollar City. But let's face it, the biggest moment of your career is being right here at the Huckabee right Show. I agree. I absolutely. mean, there it is. 100%, man. I agree, brother. I agree. Well, the Flat River Band is going to be back to perform for us at the end of the show. But right now, Keith, don't get snippy. Just tell us what's coming up next. Well, stick around. Rabbi Jason Sobel shares his own unique perspective on Israel's response to the recent horrific attacks. Our hearts and prayers go out to those in Israel who have experienced the unthinkable this past week, as well as the brave volunteers at Samaritan's Purse who are right now, right there, and they're doing everything they can to help. I hope you'll pray for Israel and the Samaritan's Purse volunteers and local church partners who are doing everything they can to be the hands and feet of Jesus during these very dangerous and troubling times. You can give to Samaritan's Purse today. Go to their website or call the number on your screen. You will make a difference in the lives of people who right now, they need to know that you care. Thank you and God bless you. Well, you all know Rabbi Jason Sobel as the author of a number of books and is host of The Chosen Unveiled here on TBN. His latest book is this one. It's a follow-up to his bestseller called Mysteries of the Messiah. This one is called Signs and Secrets of the Messiah a fresh look at the miracles of Jesus. Please welcome back to the show, Rabbi Jason Sobel. Rabbi, great to have you here. Thank, Thank you. you. It's great to be here. You know, the, the previous book was a wonderful sort of look at the Old Testament and all of the prophecies and the things that were pointing toward the coming Messiah. This one, it's like you're almost going backwards. You're looking at the New <laughs> Testament and then saying, here is how those things were fulfilled. But I think the most obvious question, you're a rabbi but you believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I do. <laughs> so that's an interesting combination. How did that happen? God's got a good sense of humor. <laughs> yes, he does. You know, I grew up in a Jewish family in New Jersey, went to Hebrew school. As a child, was bar mitzvah, lost most of my family in the Holocaust, mm. was working in the music industry as a, was a hip-hop DJ and doing all sorts of different things and looked at the lives of these famous people said there has to be more to life than just this, went on a spiritual journey, studying with my rabbi, but in the midst of that, I had a supernatural encounter with Yeshua Jesus that ultimately led me through faith, and part of that journey was uh, 
Rabbi Jonathan Kahn. <laughs> you know, one of the things that your books are so magnificent in is that you give an explanation. So many Christians don't understand that everything that they believe is built on, based on the Jewish faith, tradition, and scripture. And, and most people don't ever think about that. So you help us to connect those things and to understand how they fit. Absolutely. We want people to see the Bible in high definition, how the old and the new connect. You know, so for example, we talk about the first miracle, the miracle of transformation, water into wine. Why is that the first miracle Yeshua Jesus did? Well, what's the first miracle Moses did? He turned the water into blood, but Jesus doesn't come to bring death. He comes to bring life, but we might have it more abundantly. So he turns the water not into blood, but he turns it into wine, the symbol of the messianic kingdom. Wow. See, a powerful connection that most people probably have never made. Well, this week has been a troubling week, and I know it has been for you as it has for me and so many others who love Israel. When you see these happenings, are, are we looking at something that is the fulfillment of some type of prophecy that Israel will be attacked viciously by those who wish to destroy her? Yeah, absolutely. It's very clear in the Bible. One of the things that's very interesting is that the word Hamas is actually in the Bible. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 11, in the days of Noah, it says, God saw there was Hamas, violence on the earth, and it grieved his heart. And that is why he brought the flood on the earth. And then Jesus says in Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days the Son of Man returns. And there was Hamas in Noah's day. And in today is like Noah, we're seeing the same violence fill the earth right now. You know, it, it's, it's disturbing when we think about that because sometimes we say nothing like this has ever happened, but it actually has. But in this kind of day, when we can witness it on social media, we see it in real time, it, it certainly brings it home in a way that we never could have before. It's absolutely heartbreaking. But again, the scriptures were written so that we would understand that God knew all of this in advance. And it's one of the reasons why I believe it's so important that we connect the old and the new. It's one of the reasons why we show how all the details connect in, in Science and Secrets and in other books, because part of having hope and faith is knowing God is in control and that he is in the details. And one of the things that's incredible is that, you know, in ancient times, there was a wicked man who tried to destroy the Jewish people and his name was Haman. The book of Esther. And where was Haman from? Haman was in Persia, modern day Iran. And so we see Haman arising again. And there's a lot in the Bible and in prophecy that talks about this. Rabbi, you know, I, I remember a conversation with a good friend of mine who's Jewish. And he said, I don't understand you evangelicals. You're so supportive of Israel. You're so supportive of the Jewish people. He said, I don't understand. I said, well, you can be Jewish and have nothing to do with Christians, mm -hmm. but Christians can't be Christian and not accept the importance of everything that's in the Old Testament that led up to what we believe. I said, I can't be a Christian without the foundation of Judaism. I said, so that's why, and we're people of the book. We believe the word. Those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. I said, it gets pretty simple for some of us. No, it's such a great point. I mean, I think there is that Abrahamic blessing that you're referring to. But the reality is, is that 
you know, Jesus was the son of David, the Ben David. He came in Jewish flesh and blood. Hmm. The fact that Jesus was Jewish in the natural was God saying, I have inextricably bound myself to the destiny of humanity, but also in the incarnation, the destiny of Israel. It's not that Jesus was Jewish. Jesus is still Jewish. He's seated on the throne of David, and he's coming back as such in fulfillment to the promises of Israel. So you can't say you love the Messiah of Israel, the King of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and not love the people of Israel. I think that's a wonderful point. (laughs) I've never heard it put so beautifully and eloquently as you just did. This is the book, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. I hope you'll get a copy. It will illuminate so many things in your faith walk, and I think that we all are blessed and grateful to the rabbi for having done that. If you go to Huckabee.tv, we'll show you links for Rabbi Jason Sobel, and we will also tell you how to get this book, Signs and Secrets of the Messiah. Also, you'll find a link to his shows, and by the way, they are right here on TBN. How convenient. To find all the Flat River Band's music, plus tour dates and more, just go to Huckabee.tv. You can also watch an exclusive live performance of the new single, God Bless the Radio. Now, performing The Ring with Trey Corley and the Music City Connection and Mike on Bass, here's Flat River Band. I'm a poor, poor man 
wish that I knew what I know right now. If I did, I'd have a place to sleep. You see, I lost everything when I bought that diamond ring. How foolish can one man be? See, I got only last Sunday flowers in my hand through the satellites of saw the candles so I built up my courage and I opened up our door she simply cried is it what it seems 